Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. Knocked him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of It's Wednesday, June 14, 2017. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you this week by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, and Chet is back. Welcome back, Jim Chet Chesco, after a week of taking care of some school business with the family. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Great to be back. And let me say I enjoyed the show that you did last week in my absence with a couple of great guests, Bill Mattis and our old pal Carl Henderson. A fun show. It sure was fun to do, and uh, we talked about some different stuff and uh, from collecting the memorabilia and the state of Philly sports. It was real fun to to have those guys on. But hey, Chet, tonight uh, NBA draft fast approaching. Rumors are still swirling. A current one that just came out this afternoon that we'll get to. But we have the resident expert back to talk <laughs> all about it tonight. Yeah, we do indeed. You're referring to one of our favorite guests in D-Linem. And then later we're going to solve all the Phillies' many problems with Corby Sharp from Phillies Nation joining us. Boy, he's got a tough task there. Uh, let's talk hoops I first, though, okay? I was going to Yeah, we don't have that much well, time. Let's, let's welcome back Comcast Sportsnet Philly Sixers inside our D-Line of the show. D, welcome. Solve those problems. No. I could never solve all the Phillies' problems. Are you kidding me? No one can. Uh, no. Hey, D, this is your uh, your fifth visit to our little program. We do appreciate that. Uh, once again, we have loads of questions for you. Before we talk about the Sixers and the draft, we all just finished watching the NBA playoffs that weren't too competitive this spring from start to finish, really. But we did see what may end up being one of the greatest teams in NBA history in the Golden State Warriors, who had just that one game four blemish en route to their second NBA title in three years. Might this Warriors squad end up with several more championships? What do you think? Well, I mean, certainly they'll be the odds-on favorite. I think they already are to uh, be the team to win it again next year. I think what happens after that year is you'll see what Golden State, in terms of their ownership, want to do when you have to start paying some of those guys different money than what their current contracts are. And Clay Thompson would be the first of that group to be up. So, and somebody may say, well, he'd be the likely one of the top, you know, the big four to be the first to go. But I think what we really did see is defensively what Clay means to that team. And for all the offense that we like to talk about, how great Golden State is, how many people can shoot the three, how they share the basketball, what they are able to do defensively with teams is equally impressive to me. And in terms of Clay, his ability to be able to guard so many different positions and, and guard them well, uh, I, I think it will be integral for them to keep basically those four guys together and maybe like we used to see San Antonio do, you rotate other role players through as need be who are on you know lesser contracts, so to speak. Mm-hmm. All right, the heck with the Warriors. Let's talk about the Sixers. We have our own problems right here. The Sixers, they might be considering uh, – one of the, some of the things that they might be considering doing regarding the June 22nd draft are connected to their confidence level in Ben Simmons' ability at 6'10 or six, maybe 6'11 maybe now to play point guard in the NBA. Can we say with any degree of certainty that he can handle that job? Uh, I don't know if you heard, but Larry Brown was on a show recently – and yes. I have great respect for for Larry Brown, but I mean, he said he flat out is not a point guard. 
Uh, now, the Sixers, I will say, and especially Brett Brown, is committed to at least trying to make that work. I think the jump of be, never being strictly a point guard, you can say all you want about what his role was at LSU. Yes, he had the ball in his hands a lot. Yes, he is an excellent passer. But most of what he did when he was in college was take it off the rim and get the ball up the floor. In terms of actually being an NBA point guard who, when you are in a half-court set, he's running your offense, I just don't see it. But I also don't get to see a lot of them scrimmaging. And even the Sixers have only ever seen him scrimmage. They have not seen him play against real NBA talent. Uh, but if you're asking me, are they committed to doing this? They are. Now, how long? If you uh, start out with a rocky road and a tough um, record, losing or winning kind of record, uh, how long you stay committed to that will certainly, you know, go a long way. Well, hey, Dee, speaking of the draft, you know, I, I mentioned right on the top there that there's there's another rumor or a or it's resurfaced again about 5 o'clock this afternoon when uh, Keith Pompey uh, posted an article where the Sacramento Kings are looking to trade the number 5 and the number 10 pick to the Sixers to move up to get that number 3. What would your thought be on that? To me, I'm thinking that's a no-brainer. Well, it is unless you are the Sixers and have an absolute uh, positive thought about who you want. And if you believe he could be there at five, then it is a no-brainer. But if you are steadfast uh, that you don't care who slips to you at five and that you think the talent at that number is relatively close, then go ahead and drop down. I know a lot of people instantly will think, and we're going to see him tomorrow, now how much I get to see him actually shoot, uh, think that Malik Monk would be there at five and that he is a very, very good fit for the Sixers. I am of that belief as well. Uh, and I say if you have a chance to take uh, even talent or pretty even talent in a draft and you get to choose between a Kentucky kid versus somebody else, I'm taking Kentucky because I think Calipari gets these guys NBA ready. Well, as a follow-up to that, do you think that uh, that one and two look like they're going to be pretty – pretty well sure. set with Fultz going Fultz to Boston and, and Ball going to the Lakers. Do you think they have a locked-in guy at three? Um, I don't think they do, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, it, it ranges. De'Aaron Fox, and I think he's coming in on the weekend, who I actually loved as a guy, and Cal Perry speaks very, very highly of, of Fox. But is he the right guy? Now, he's the right guy to me. If you believe you need a point guard in addition to a Ben Simmons, and he's lightning fast, obviously he would not fit the bill by his college numbers of what he shot from three because he shot less than 30%. Uh, the kid would tell you he's a better shooter than that number, and that in the back half of the season into the tournament, his three-point shooting was significantly better. He just had such a horrific start. Um, but if that kid intrigues you, if uh, Jackson intrigues you, if Monk would be intriguing to you, one of those three guys is going to be there for you at five. Yep. All right. Uh, so if Fultz goes number one and if Ball goes number two to the Lakers, as you mentioned, there are several candidates for the Sixers at number three. Josh Jackson, De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, Jason Tatum, Jonathan Isaac. Uh, as you indicated, Monk's yep. probably the best shooter among them and a good fit, I would think, for the Sixers. So they don't seem overly high on him from what we're hearing because he's maybe too one-dimensional. I don't know. So what do you think they're thinking right they, now? The, funny is it, thing about, the yeah. one thing I will say, Chet, when we say they don't seem high on him, out of it, that's according to people, and often you will find right. that teams like that that is how people think they are thinking. Do you know, is that coming out of the mouth of Colangelo or the mouth of Brett Brown? That, that's not the case. And so sometimes I think you can stir this up so that it appears like they're not high on him, when in fact they may kind of like that because if that is their guy and you do want to make that trade with Sacramento, all of a sudden the guy you really have pinned is going to be able to be there at five as opposed to having to take him at three. Yeah, the one thing Colangelo said that kind of tipped us off to that, though, was that he wants somebody who's versatile, can do many things. Um, 
So I don't know who the best candidate is. And, you know, again, it comes down to whether they believe in Simmons as being the guy to bring the ball up and be the point guard. So it's a tough decision, and I don't know what the answer is, but they really have to get this right. I mean, this is a crucial draft for them, don't you think? I, I do think that, but I think there is a lot uh, that is up in the air in the way they will look at it. If that's the case, if Colangelo would prefer the most versatile guy, then that'll be Jackson, in my opinion, at that spot. Uh, now, I, I'm not sure. I think that you need to start adding pieces that are the right and to me, year after year, we were saying they must add shooting. They must add shooting. And they still have not done that. And so I think what he may say is a healthy Jared Bayless will be a good shooter. I'd like to see Ben Simmons run the point. And if it doesn't work out this year, then I will fill the needs next year. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that was disappointing. Yes, it would. Yes, it would. Hey, D, what's the uh, what's the off season looking like for that Joel Embiid? Is he? Uh, we see where he's not going to play summer ball. Uh, we see he's playing a lot of soccer. Apparently, uh, do we think he's healthy? And are we going to be able to get you know sixty or seventy games and some playoff games out of him? Well, I mean, I have to take people at their word because they do not open those workouts uh, up to the public. So I have not physically seen him in a five-on-five, but I'm told that he is playing five-on-five. Now, how healthy that is when you roll around and you're playing a real NBA season, uh, I think given that his injuries have not been related, that they are different injuries along the way, that you hope that it has been just, you know, set of circumstances that have led us to this point and that the glimpse of what he was in the 31 games we got to see him, that you could get 65 out of him like that would be, to me, that would be a home run for next year, in my opinion. Well, Embiid certainly was terrific in the 31 games that he did play. We'll talk more about him as we go here, I'm sure. But I was really impressed with the rookie year of Dario Saric. How about you, Dee? I love Sarch. Uh, I love the guy. I love his personality. Um, I thought really up until the end, but again, he played 81 of the 82 games, and he probably had played more basketball than anybody on that roster leading up to the start of the season, given his commitment to the national team and the Olympics and whatnot. So uh, I think the upside for him is huge. I think a big problem, though, is going to be playing him and Simmons together and because I think they are similar in how they have the ball in their hands and the way they have the ball in their hands. And so I think you're going to see less of them on the court together, which will mean less minutes probably for Sarge, which maybe in the beginning won't be a big thing because he played so many minutes this past year. Um, But over time, That'll be interesting to see how and if it works out. Maybe over time he becomes a better shooter, and therefore they become different kinds of players because I don't think we're ever going to see Ben be a great shooter. Hey, Dee, a few minutes ago you mentioned Jared Bayless. What are the plans for Bayless? Mm -hmm. I mean, is he going to be the point guard if the Simmons experiment doesn't work out? Or what kind of role will Bayless play on the next year's Sixers? I mean, I, I think, and again, this is not knowing exactly what they're going to do in the draft, Um, but I think even no matter what they do in the draft, that coming out of training camp, Jared Bayless will be in the starting backcourt with Ben Simmons and that it would be, you know, a share of the ball kind of situation. Uh, You know, Jared isn't a a true point guard either, but, I mean, by most, uh, he is a capable ball handler when need be. Um, and he can score the ball. So he's more of that combo guard that we see uh, in the NBA now, and obviously he has experience. Well, Dee, the elephant in the room to me on this team is that Jaleel Okafor. What in the world are they going to do with this 21-year-old? The kid can score in the league, but uh, he just doesn't seem to fit here. What, what's What's going to happen with him? Well, the, the kid could score in the league. I would say that his shaking confidence, uh, having a role that was so diminished compared to his rookie season, um, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm, I use often the, 
Do you remember on golfer David Duvall was an unbelievable? We used to say his name in the same sentence as Tiger Woods for a while, and then all of a sudden he fell off the face of the earth, and he never ever came back and was the same guy. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. think that is a possibility for Jaleel Okafor, and I think on a couple of things, just the way teams are playing nowadays, the way teams run nowadays and you know a back to the basket guy and I I think there is more to him than that but I have never seen somebody whose footwork is so skilled at an offensive end of the floor and be so poor at the defensive end of the floor I I, I've seen a lot of basketball I've never seen it be such a great disparity yeah, that's going to be an interesting uh, situation right there. Hey, Dee, I was looking at the Sixers' final stats from this past season, and I looked sure. at uh, their per-game averages, and Robert Covington led the team in minutes per game with 31, and I was shocked sure. as heck to see who was second on the list. At 27.4 minutes per game, it was Nick Stauskas. I never would have guessed that. Okay. I didn't realize he you know, played that much. But, yeah, Covington, Stauskas, and uh, Sarich were the top three in minutes played. Uh, speaking of Covington and Stauskas, what are their roles going to be on the 2017-18 Sixers? Uh, well, I think Covington still, you know, he's going to be in the starting lineup. He's still their best two-way guy. Uh, and I give a credit, credit to the kid because when they originally uh, took him on or Sam Hinkie, went and found him in the D-League, um, that he was not a defensive-minded guy, and I think he takes great pride in it now, and that you do give him the number one perimeter player on the opposition. And I think, you know, by and large, he, he rises to that challenge. So he'll be in your starting lineup, I do believe that. Stauskas, I think, becomes, you know, a guy that could be eighth off your bench, but I think he will definitely be there. Um you know, they're, you're not going to give him away. They already extended him or, you know, agreed to that next year, that the rookie contract. Um, but I think if you're going to talk about a critical year, I think it's a really critical year for South. Agreed. Hey, Dave, the, the Sixers, they, they have their first-round draft pick, which maybe if they make that move, they'll end up with two. They've got mm-hmm. four second-round draft picks. Uh they're already such a young team, and assuming there'll be some roster moves with Rodriguez will be gone and Gerald Henderson will probably be gone, can you actually build a team with with 95% of your players being 25 or 26 years old or younger? In my opinion, you're not building a playoff team with that. I just don't, I don't think – well, you can look and see who did well in the postseason and tell me if you saw a bunch of 20-year-olds. And right, right. things at that. I mean, it just doesn't happen. Uh, and I think, you know, forget the four second-round picks. And they're, the value of those, I mean, I, I get it. Sam Hinkie was huge into the assets. But four second-round picks, you know, say, oh, well, you can trade two of those and move up. Well, the, the early 30s of the second-round picks, those are valuable because you don't have to make the rookie commitment for a guy who's probably similar to somebody that's taken it 26 or 27. But after that, you know, I mean, I know we see Isaiah Thomas and we say he was the 60th pick in his draft. Okay, it happens occasionally. But by and large, those second-round picks, you know, they're playing somewhere else, either overseas or the D-League. So I don't think you're going to build a lot with those second-round picks. I think, you know, if you end up with 5 and 10, you have very little room on this roster this year to make any additions, and I'm not sure what you're doing in terms of trading, and you're probably not going out and signing a big-time free agent given what your financial commitments are going to be probably for Joel Embiid this fall and certainly for Robert Covington next spring. Hey, speaking of those second-round picks, uh, <laughs> any chance the Sixers take a shot at that Josh Hart from Villanova? Ah, uh, that's an interesting one. You know, I've always thought it's interesting when guys are in your backyard. Uh, I certainly, if he's at a, a second-round pick when you're picking, I'd certainly consider him. One of the things I always say, you gotta, you got to know uh, guys who are winners. And, I mean, obviously I'm just watching from afar, but usually you would have a guy like that, you've seen him in your gym or something. If he has that winning quality, like Jameer had. Jameer, you know, Jameer slipped in his draft 
But look at the guy. He, you know, he was a winner and had such a long career because when they just, you know, I, I, there's no other word for it. They're just winners. And I would say Josh Hart is that. I I agree. And, hey, Dee, uh, geez, we, we're ro- almost running out of time already. Um, I have hey, we do, you know, you know we do this thing we call the Fast Five where Chet basically asks five pretty simple questions, and you give five pretty simple answers. And uh, okay. you, you up for that tonight? Sure. I feel like hey, before we do that, show, I, want, I want to hit I you with like one question before that. Does quick six. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, stole, he stole that from us, I think. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, D, uh, before we do the Fast Five, I had one question. Uh, this past season, you did a whole bunch of work for uh, the Comcast Network. You were, I guess, the color analyst for the 87ers games. What kind of experience was that for that you? Is, oh, that was so awesome. Uh, I think what it was good for me was because the year before, I had gotten a handful of Sixers games because Allah Abdelnabi had had some other commitments uh, that he couldn't you know, get out of. But to be able to do, I think I ended up with 13 or 14 of those games, um, to be able to like gain some momentum, try to work on the craft of being a color analyst. And really, I love studying the, the way you build a D-League winner. is totally different than an NBA team because of the movement of players and yet trying to have guys that are really, really good but aren't getting called up. And, and then coming back to you. So, um, but you want great things for the guys, and there's a lot of development at that um, at that level. So I loved it. I hope I get to go back and do it again. Uh, I got to do some games with Tom McGinnis, Brian Seltzer, and a young guy out of Syracuse Maroon. So I had different uh, play-by-play guys, which also made it, you know, a good challenge for me uh, to work according to what those personalities were. So I had a blast. Excellent. All right, D, here yes. we go. Fast five with right. D Lineham. Yep. All right, number one, the Showtime era Lakers, Michael's mid ninety Bulls, and the Curry and Durant version of the Warriors. How do you rank them in terms of best ever? First of all, the game is played differently, but oh, yeah. uh, best ever. I'm gonna still have to go with Michael because it's proven longer still right now, but probably in five years if you ask me and the Warriors are on the same kind of pace, they're going to have to go down as the best. All right. Number two, I'm going to put the uh, over-under for games played by Joel Embiid next season at 55. You going over or under? I'm going to go over. I hope you're right. Mm. All right. I do too. Another set of rankings. Another ranking for you, D. Uh, name the five best active players in the NBA. I have a hunch that you and I would have the same names maybe, but – in 20 seconds, rank the five best players in the league, one through five, active players. Uh, five best, one through five. LeBron, Durant, Steph Curry, Kawhi, and just given the year that he had, I'm going to go with Westbrook. Okay. I had Harden in there instead of a Kawhi, so – Pretty yes. close, pretty close. Number yes. four, uh, you did lots of post-game live work with your father, the coach, Jim Lyon, this past season. What's the best thing about working with your dad? The best thing about working with the coach is the best thing. You know, for me, honestly, it's how much he is liked and enjoyed by a group of people who are even younger than me, a whole newsroom of people who just so love having him tell stories and that he just shares nonstop with us. Really, the show behind the show is so worth I wish somehow people could get to see that. But that's what is so enjoyable, just to see how he's enjoyed by people. Yep, I stick with the uh, show just to watch you two guys because you are great. And uh, finally, D, <laughs> summer arrives next week. Other than golf, which we know you love, what is your favorite thing to do in the summer months? Uh, go to the swimming pool with my kids, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I, I love – I called my dad last night and said it reminds me. Uh, he used to work at Aronimic Swim Club right down on City – you know, I guess that's Drexel Hill there. 
and we would stay from, you know, when it opened to when it closed. And I feel like my kids want to be in the pool just like that, like I was when I was a kid. So, uh, yeah, I would say that's probably – but golf is by far off of it. <laughs> oh, I know that. <laughs> hey, one bonus question while I think of it. Uh, last October we had you on, and you and I predicted the Sixers would win 22 games for the season. Bill said 20. Yeah. And that was with the expectation that we'd see Simmons at some point. It didn't happen. They still yeah. ended up winning 28. So – I know it's June and it's before the draft, but will the Sixers be a playoff team next spring? Wow. Uh, that's so close. Help me out. Who was eight this year? <laughs> I'm trying to think. Um, uh, isn't that terrible? I can't think. All right, I'm going to say I'm going to say they sneak in because the fact that I can't remember who. Uh, who got – no, they didn't even probably get swept because it was Boston who had the number one seed. Uh, will they be a playoff team? I'm going to say yes. I agree. Yeah. I'm hoping. I think it was Chicago – Chicago was eight, and they were dysfunctional. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. All right. Good job with Fast Five and the bonus question, D. <laughs> you guys, I always enjoy it. Thank you so much. All right, D, and uh... – but we'll get you back here hopefully before the season starts after the draft and uh, we'll, we'll come up with exactly how many wins we're going to come up with. All right. I like that. It's a lot easier after the draft and free agency. You bet. Yes. It All is. right. Thanks, well, AD, thanks for joining us. Enjoy your summer and uh, enjoy the links. Thanks so much. All righty. Taking a break from the sports talk right now to say hello again to the bar manager at the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, Bucks County, Chris Gaskill. Hey, Chris. Hey, Chuck. Thanks for having me. Hey, Chris, you and Ray and the rest of the gang at the Irish Rover have been just great to Bill and me at Philly Press Box Radio over the last four months. We truly appreciate the support. So I wanted to find out more of what you guys are all about. As you know, I visit the Rover on occasion, usually on a Thursday night, but I was there on a Saturday night a month back. I popped in on a Saturday afternoon recently, met you in person finally, and there's always a nice crowd there. So it looks like business is pretty good. Yeah, business is great, and it was such a pleasure to meet you the other day. Uh, You guys have been wonderful to work with, so much fun. We have a really wonderful customer base. We've been in this building for almost five years, but we started off down the road in a small, kind of hole-in-the-wall little place. We were there for 15 years, so um, the fact that everyone came and more joined us, it's just been really great, and it makes my job such a pleasure. You guys have a huge menu, everything from burgers and sandwiches to wings and all sorts of varieties to steak, chicken, and homemade crab cakes for dinner. Do you have a personal favorite menu item? That's a tough question. I love a lot of things on our menu. You know, a lot of people think of us for our wings. Um, If you've never had the gourmet sauce, I highly recommend it. We put it on everything. Me and the rest of the managers put it on burgers, on cheesesteaks. It's fantastic. Personally, a Reuben Nothing quite hits the spot like a Reuben. Corned beef or turkey, I could go either way. It's delicious. Mm -hmm. Hey, as you well know, we're a sports talk show here, so I have to ask, are you a sports fan, Chris Gaskell, and do you have a favorite sports memory? You know, I am kind of late to the sports game. I didn't even watch my first sporting event until I was like 25 years old. Uh, (laughs) But since then, I have jumped on the Eagles bandwagon with everybody else, I think, in the area. My favorite thing is there's just something about the way sports or football in general can bring like a crowd of people together. You know, like you go down to the stadium for that five hours you're there or sit at a bar with a bunch of people that you don't know. Everyone's a part of the same thing and we're all friends and we talk about all the same things. And I think that feeling is for me, like what does it and what sucks me in right away. I should add, I love that you guys have lots of flat screen TVs all over the place at the Rover for all of us sports fans. It is a great place to watch the Phils, Flyers, Sixers, and Eagles. Now let's get to the big event coming up on Sunday, which happens to be Father's Day. What's going on? Yeah, this is our annual Father's Day car show. It's our fifth year doing it, and it's probably one of my favorite events. All the proceeds go to charity. Last year, we hit almost 150 different cars, all different kinds and styles. Every car is welcome. All the money goes to the charity, and it's just a really great day to spend with your dad. Good food, cold beer, nice cars. You know, it's how my family's always spent our Father's Day, so it's great. Are these like classic cars, or what are we talking about here? Yeah, a lot of classic cars spanning all different genres and decades. We even have some newer stuff that comes in. We had a lot of trucks last year, which is really cool. Every year we kind of develop new categories for voting because, you know, we kind of change with who shows up that year. But it's a, it's a great day. 
Fantastic. I'm sure it'll be great. It all happens at the Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne. Thanks, Chris. My pleasure. Thank you, Chet. Well, hey, Chet, great job. Hey, the Phillies, they are brutal. And that's all I can say right now. They're losing again. But our second guest tonight is going to bring some sanity to all of it for us. We hope anyway. Hey, let's welcome philliesnation.com Corey Sharp for his first visit ever to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable. Welcome, Corey. Uh, Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, Corey. It's Chet. Great meeting you and talking with you a couple of weeks back. As Bill noted, other than a surprising four-game win streak last week, the Phillies, who were once 11-9 and somehow at the beginning of the season, they've been dreadful the last seven weeks or so, 10-33 and over the last 43 games. Are they really this bad, Corey, or what is the explanation for what's going on here? Um, no, I, I really don't feel like they're, they're this bad at all. If you go through their, their lineup and their rotation, most of the guys have shown – some sort of success uh, to, to what degree, you know, it, it kind of varies, but each guy has, has shown, like I said, the, the rotation or the, uh, the lineup, but what's going on is you're just not seeing development. You're seeing a lot of the same mistakes over and over again. For example, a lot of the pitchers are, are uh, giving up a lot of home runs on O2 counts. And that's, that's been a recurring theme since the middle of last year, last year to an including now. So you're just not seeing guys developing. Aaron Nola is, is very inconsistent. Jarrett Eikhoff seems to be walking three to five guys every start now. Vince Velasquez still can't get out of the fifth inning. And then your two key cogs in the lineup, uh, Odubel Herrera and Michael Franco, are not showing anything. I mean, I know Herrera has been a little bit better in, in June. He's been a doubles machine. And Franco's had a good last couple games, but still not, you know, anything to – you know, think that they're going to turn it around for a long period of time. So we have to see that a, a little bit longer. Yeah, I'm with you there. Aaron Altair has been something of a pleasant surprise this year, but I'm hard-pressed to name another pleasant surprise. I mean, reliever Pat Neshek maybe, Ben Lively's first three big league starts were a positive. But any other positives that you can think of, Corey? Uh, not that <laughs> – those are all probably it's tough. it. Um <laughs> It really, it really is like, like you said, and like I just said, Aaron Nola, you know, he pitches really well in Pittsburgh. He pitched really well in uh, Atlanta, but then he, he struggled uh, against Cincinnati, and um, you know, he so he's just very, very inconsistent. So it's like you see very, very short glimpses, and then then that's the end of it. Well, Corey, the thing that troubles me, and I'd like to get your opinion on on this, is it just seems like. And you mentioned it with the, some of the pitching, but with the hitting too, it just seems like everybody is getting worse and nobody's getting better. And, you know, I, I'm a longtime coach, and, and our goal always is to try to get better every day, and I'm sure theirs is too. But it's certainly not playing out that way, and it it, it reflects directly to me on their coaching. Uh, agreed. You know, like, like, like I – been saying you know they just been making the same mistakes over and over again and um you know they they really especially the the these last seven weeks they've been losing 10 nothing and, and even even the the four to one games that they lose i mean they are so boring and that you can't <laughs> they don't they just don't work the pitchers at all so it's, it's like a one you know it's almost like a feel like they they get shut out or it's like a perfect game almost because they go down so quick and they're, you know, they allow the starters to go deep in games. And, you know, it's just – it's really, really frustrating to watch, you know, especially, you know, as the way they hit. Corey, there's been a lot of cries from the Phillies fans to bring up some of the prospects. I mean, they have Reese Hoskins, Nick Williams, et cetera, even Scott Kingry at AA Reading, who you talked to uh, recently. Why is Phillies management so hesitant to bring up any of these hot prospects? And uh, Matt Klintak reiterated again today, he's just not going to do it. Why are they so hesitant to bring these guys up? Uh, the only thing – I mean, I, that's, I'm hard-pressed to find a, a real answer for that, you know, um, the only reason I can think of it now is because I believe that right now is, is that Super 2 uh, area of arbitration where they would lose a year of 
eligibility to free agency. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, the fact. that's the only reason. Yeah. I mean, that's the only reason I, I can think of, you know, it would, it would bring new blood to the, to the franchise, to, to Philadelphia. So, I mean, that, that's really the only reason why I, I can think of um, that, that they're not bringing the guys up. Bill, you there? Yeah, I lost yeah, it every just a second. Yeah, hey, um, what what I wanted to say to you, and uh, I got I got lost with a little distraction here. That it was it's bring your dog to Philly Press Box Radio Night tonight. So uh, I got a little <laughs> I, distracted. I thought that was a dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it was. Dog. So I, I I threw on mute real quick to uh, try to get the dog to stop. But hey, what I was going to mention last week's guest, uh, one of our guests, Bill Mattis, joined us with. Uh, with Carl Henderson, and Bill made the comment that I had never thought about, but I thought afterwards, I thought, you know, really interesting. He said the Phillies are doing nothing different than what the Sixers did, and this is a tank job. It's to get the the, the draft picks uh, to basically fill spaces until these kids at AA and AAA get some experience. They're going to bring them all up together and build the team that way. And in the meantime, they're just not saying it like the Sixers did, that, you know, that there's a process, but this is a process, and they're just playing this thing out and biding their time. Yeah, I mean, I find it really hard to, to tank in baseball. I, you know, the, the two sports are, are very, very different, obviously, and, but just baseball is so much harder to tank. I mean, if you look at it with their bullpen, they really brought in proven guys like Pat Neshek and um, and Joaquin Benoit, who has who has a in the mid twos ERA in his in his career. So if you were to put put those guys together with Edubre Ramos, who was supposed to kind of blossom this year, who who showed good flashes last year, and Jenmar Gomez, who had a, obviously a, a rough September, but he was no closer. He's a sixth or seventh inning guy. And Hector Neris, who, who seems to be very inconsistent. You know, so the, the additions with, with the, the bullpen were supposed to help them, you know, obviously close out games this year and with their starters. So I, I really don't know if, it, if they were really tanking this year. It's just it really got bad, though. Hey, Corey, fresh off of two extra inning losses to the Red Sox up in Boston, the Bo Sox are now in Philly, and that means Ruben Amaro Jr. is back in town for the first time since he was let go by the Phils. Um, He's coaching first base for Boston. He made some good trades. He made some bad trades. What is Ruben Amaro Jr.'s legacy in Philly, and are fans too hard on him? (laughs) Well, I I, I think so. Yeah, they're very hard on him. and I, to be honest with you, I, I don't think they, they should be. I mean, if you, everybody loved him when, when he traded for Roy Halladay, Cliff Lee, Roy Oswald, and, and then Hunter Pence. I mean, yeah, he was the best GM in the world at that time. And, and did he have a shortcoming? Sure. You know, the Ryan Howard contract, and, and, and then he kept some of those guys for too long. But we, we don't really know exactly who, who that was coming from. Was it Dave Montgomery or, or was it Ruben Amaro? And then the, the other glaring uh, that he made was the, the Cliff Lee trade to Seattle. I mean, that, that we knew was bad when he did it. We didn't know why he did it. And the guys he acquired were like, who are they? But he, I, I think he's, you know, as crazy as it sounds, pretty instrumental in this rebuild that, that you're seeing now. I mean, he was able to trade Jonathan Papelman on his way out for Nick Pavetta, uh, Marlon Bird, of all people, for Ben Lively, who, who we've seen the last couple of weeks pitch pretty well, and Jimmy Rollins he traded for Zach Eflin. So th- those are, you know, and, and Eflin struggled and is in AAA, but after his big league debut last year, you know, he had a real good five or six string of, uh, of really good starts, and, and this year he did too. He, he's, you know, he's in AAA now, but those are three veterans right there that were pretty much on their way out the door that, that he was able to flip and, and get some very good value. Now, none of them are, are established yet, but they, they moved pretty quick among, along the, the Philly system. So, and then you have the Cole Hamill trade, of course, so, which, which was which got his Icoff, last month Alfaro, and Nick Williams. We hope those right. guys work and, out, too. Um, 
Yeah, exactly. And, and Jake Thompson, who who had a cup of coffee last year. So, yeah, he, he's very, very instrumental, I, I would say, in uh, in the in in this in this rebuild. Now, the only guy that you know they traded Ken Giles, and that was pretty. That was the first big trade of um, of the Clintac McPhail regime, and they got Vince Velasquez and a Tom Eshelman, who who seems to be emerging. But everybody else was 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 um, was Ruben Amaro. I mean, he drafted. Scott Kingery, uh, he drafted Herrera in the Rule Five draft. Dylan Cousins and Reese Hoskins is is um, is all Amaro. So it's like, yeah, he, I think he just gets a bad rep. Good, good point. Hey, I guess the million dollar question, Corey. We're forty percent into the season. We got twenty one wins, twenty one and forty two. Losing tonight. Um, this could be a 50 or 60 win team. Where, where do you see them finishing up? Um, I, I don't see them losing a hundred games. I, I just, I, I don't think they're that bad. I, I do think changes are, are going to come, whether that's the manager or, or guys being demoted. I, I think changes are, are coming as they say, but I, I really can't see them losing a hundred games. I, I honestly think they have too much talent to do that. You know, with, with their rotation and the young guys and, and Herrera and Franco, I, I do think they're going to turn it around at some point. Now, you know, I'm not saying they're going to finish 500 or, or even 10 games under, but, you know, I, I really believe that there, you know, there's going to be some, some kind of change. And, you know, when you get into July and August, they're going to start winning some games. And I don't see them losing a hundred games. I can, I can tell you that. That's my feeling. Hey, Corey, uh, for people who don't know, uh, what exactly is Phillies Nation? Where can people find it, and where can they follow you? Uh, Phillies Nation is a, uh, is a blog um, where we call ourselves more than a blog. Uh, philliesnation.com is where you can find, find us. Um, we have a very talented group of writers that are always up, updating our stuff and, and following our stuff. So philliesnation.com, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Uh, you can follow my Twitter account, uh, CoreSharp20, C-O-R-S-H-A-R-P-20, and uh, that's where all my information goes as well. Good stuff. Fantastic. Well, Corey, hey, we appreciate you joining us for the first time, and hopefully we can do it again, and uh, you're, you've given us some enlightening opinions, and hopefully uh, you're right. I, I sure hope we don't get to 100 losses. <laughs> me too and thank you guys so much for having me on chat it was great meeting you uh last week all right take all care right. cory Cortina. bye-bye phillynation.com cory sharp thank you see ya all right hey chet nba is over nhl is over no no real sports going on because the fills are not so good anything surprise you in those uh in those playoffs and uh, championship rounds? No, none whatsoever. I mean, I think I predicted the Predators to beat the Penguins, but that was really my heart talking, not my head, and it's related to my dislike of the Pens, just like, you know, you, you, you'll feel the same way, I'm sure. And as you recall, oh, yeah. I was pretty confident that the Warriors would get revenge on the Cavs this year. I said it would go six games. They did it in five. So, no, no real surprises in either case. Well, you know, the biggest thing that surprised me in it, it was watching, and I watched both of them, was how far behind our teams, the Sixers and the Flyers, are to playing at that level on a consistent basis. Oh, no question about that. And, you know, I was thinking, the last time the Flyers advanced in the playoffs, it was 2012, and they beat the Penguins, Sidney Crosby and the Penguins in 2012 in the spring, the same spring that the Sixers also advanced, beating the Bulls in the first round. And since then, of course, we haven't had a team advance in the playoffs, any of the big four. I'll talk about that in my parting shot, by the way. But, yeah, the Flyers beat the Penguins in 2012. And now since then, the Pens have won two Stanley Cups, and the Flyers, you know, are where they are. Mm. Well, you know, uh this afternoon, Sam Carcitti uh, wrote an article in uh, on Philly.com that the Flyers have appeared that they're cutting ties with Steve Mason. Uh, the, the, the goaltender with the third most wins in Flyers history, by the way, it looks like they're going to part ways. And I know you uh, 
have not been on not necessarily Mason bandwagon, but the goaltending bandwagon as a whole. Uh, what do you think of the move to cut Mason loose? I'm fine with that. I mean, he was okay. He was an adequate mid-level goalie, but he was clearly not the guy that's going to take you to you know the promised land. So I'm fine with it. It's time to move on. They got three or even four young goaltending prospects. So hopefully one of these guys will work out. You got Neuvert coming back, I guess, unless he's you know left unprotected in the expansion draft that's coming up and chosen. But I don't know. We'll see what happens there. Um, I need to move on from this goaltending situation. That's one thing that's holding the Flyers back. In addition to you know some lack of scoring occasionally as well. But I'm fine with uh, what Steve Mason has brought, and I'm fine with him going. So see you, Steve. Well, <laughs> it doesn't break your heart, Eddie. Well, you know, it'll be interesting. Uh, Anthony Stowars is, is there. There's some others. Um, Stowars is just 23. He just had uh, some knee surgery himself. So we'll see where this plays out. But, uh, hey, switching over to basketball real quick. I wanted to, I was going to ask D this and kind of ran out of time. But, you know, Golden State got beat, and they go out and they get Durant. Now Cleveland gets beat. Do they counterattack and go out and look for the next best player they can find to fit in there with uh, Kyrie and, uh, and and Kevin Love? Or because obviously they were outmatched. Oh yeah, yeah, and they, that's something they would have to consider. Certainly, I don't know what their salary cap situation is, or you know the guys who they have under contract. But I'm sure they would love to get back there next year and have a little more firepower. Uh, you know, they played hard, but the Warriors just have too much depth. So I'm sure they're going to give that a shot. Hey, I, we got to get a quick Eagles question in. Uh, mini camp underway, Jason Peters getting a contract extension, which surprised the heck out of me. Um, I had him written off, you know, maybe last year, and I thought this year for sure would be his last. I know contracts aren't guaranteed in the NFL, but it sounds like they're going to have to pay him, you know, some guaranteed money, not only this year, but next year as well. So, were you surprised, as I was, at uh, Jason Peters getting an extension? It, I, I absolutely was. I was actually kind of surprised they even extended him this year. Um, <laughs> you know, and they're, yep. they're talking about going all the way through the 2019 season. He's going to be 38 years old. Um, but, you know, I guess the real thing there is they're not ready yet for whatever reason to move Lane Johnson to the left side and bring one of those youngsters in and uh, – and put them on the right side, and I guess, you know, whatever they have at this point, they don't think is as good as the 36-year-old Peters. Yeah, and you and our pal Fred Hugo talked about it last year at the end of the season. I thought Peters had a decent season, not really a legitimate Pro Bowl season, but I thought he was pretty solid other than the fact that he got called for a lot of penalties. Uh, I thought as far as, you know, blocking, he did a pretty nice job. So hopefully he's still got another year or two left in the tank because, you know, having the offensive line intact and healthy is a key to the Eagles' offensive success this year. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, and, the thing with Peters, I thought, was he he still played decent. He didn't play Jason Peters decent. You know, I mean, that ball right. was pretty high. He's a good player. Uh, but, but again, I think a lot of the reason for the penalties is because he doesn't have the feet that he used to have. He had to grab a lot, do some other things. But that comes with being 35, 36 years old playing in that league. You can't, you can't run with those 20-year-olds anymore. So, um <laughs> But, you know, it just it just looks like, uh, you know, whatever they have isn't as good as what uh, Jason Peters is. And if uh, if that's what they're going to go with, have, have at it. I just like that we're talking about football again because, uh, you know, it's June, and that means training camp is right around the corner. And before you know it, we got regular season football in September. Yes, we do. Well, hey, Chet, I wanted to follow up on a discussion we had last week, which I know you listened to the show even though you were you were off, but it was regarding the photo ops at signings. And I, and I know you're a big photo op guy. And uh, so I wanted to get your opinion on the cost of these photo ops. And what we talked about last, last week was at the CSA show in Chantilly recently. I was talking with a family who was dressed out in their Cowboys gear and they got a family photo, basically, of a man, his wife, and two children with Dak Prescott. 
And they paid $149 just for the picture. It was a great picture, great quality. And, they, and then they stood in line and paid another $149 for Prescott to sign it. And then after the show, we saw a, a promo came out that they had added, they just announced they had added Brett Favre to the Chantilly show in July. And I want you to check this out. The photo op is $375. <laughs> They'll print you the 8 by 10 The cost to get it signed is $220. So you're at $595. Now say you're wanting to sign to my pal Chet, if he'll do it. That will cost you another 155 Mr. Chesko. So that, how does $750 photo of you and Brett Favre sound? What in the world is the limit to the insanity? Well, first of all, congratulations on your math skills. I was checking as you went along, and you, the numbers added up. You did a nice job with that. But, uh, yeah, it's just mind-boggling <laughs> what people are willing to pay. <laughs> it's, it's just mind-boggling what people are willing to pay for autographs and photo ops. As you know, Bill, I go to Monster Mania Con twice a year in Cherry Hill, and when I first started going back in 2009, people would pay for autographs. And in most cases back then, you could have someone then take a photo of you and the celebrity at the table for no additional charge. In recent years, however, almost all of the guests started adding an extra charge to have a picture taken with them. Even if, you know, it's them sitting at the table and you standing behind them, you've got to pay extra. And it's even if it's taken by a friend of yours with your own camera, you've got to pay extra. Now, I've never done any of the high-priced photo ops. I try not to spend more than, you know, 20 or 25 bucks on a photo op deal but i may break tradition this summer in august at uh, monster mania because the lovely kate beckinsale will be there and i do love me some kate <laughs> so <laughs> what what do you suppose kate would charge well john cusack was there in the spring and i think he was he, 75 he or 80 bucks yeah, 75, I think, He's for Cusack Kate. for uh, a photo op. I know. I'm thinking that Kate's going to be probably about the same, 75 or 80 bucks. Interesting. Well, by the way, Brian Dawkins is also going to be at that uh, same Chantilly show, and under the same scenario, it would cost you $180 for Mr. Brian Dawkins that costs you 750 for Brett Favre. So I, I just thought it was an interesting topic we talked about last week, and then with the Favre uh, signing coming in after that, and you being a photo op guy, I thought uh, it would be good for you to check in on that. Makes me glad I got my picture with Brian Dawkins a couple times uh, through our friend Mike Barnes at uh, one of his charity events. A couple of times, like I said, over the years, and uh, free is a whole lot better than you know several hundred dollars. You bet. Wait, before we get to our last segment, speaking of, uh, of photo ops, Chet, don't forget the 25th Dick Vermeil Annual Boy Scout Golf Outing at Downingtown Country Club is June the 20th. That is next Tuesday. For those that are interested, drop me a private Facebook message. I'll get you the information uh, to you. Golf is sold out, but tickets are available for the dinner and the auction, which are both great. That That's $100 for both. The celebrity guest list is over 50 Vermeer-era eagles. All are very approachable for conversations, autographs, photo ops. Uh, the auction items are great. Philly Press Box Radio will be donating a full-size eagles helmet that will be signed by all the celebrities and auctioned off as well. Uh, Chet, it's getting closer, and uh, I can't wait. Oh, yeah, you and I will be there along with our pal Swit, and we're really looking forward to what we know is going to be a terrific event next Tuesday. It will. And we have to, again, thank Mr. Kevin Riley for getting us on the invite list since he is the man. All right, Chet. Hey, let's again thank our each and all of our visitors to phillypressboxradio.com. We continue to update it with articles from local papers, a few that we write. You can listen to all of our shows and also the Vimeos from our show guests. We even have a photo section, a list of the websites of our guests. And check out all of our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Lula Road, Taylor and Heather, and Bob Sullivan, like your age. Just go to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, and click on each of their displays to transfer their websites. And, hey, speaking of sponsors, if you're involved with a Philly area business and might be interested in advertising with us, 
just visit our website and click on the Contact Us tab near the top of the page or find us, you know, Bill Furman or Jim Chesko on Facebook, and we will give you the details. Again, the website address is phillypressboxradio.com. Hey, Chet, I will be off next week because I'll actually be on an airplane between Philadelphia and Florida on my way back, uh, but I'll be listening at 35,000 feet. Who will be our guest guest or guests? I know one of them is going to be a huge hit, but don't know if you were able to secure the second one. Well, Bill, one of our most popular shows last year, in fact, it is number one or two in terms of listeners, was with a woman who was a tremendously popular athlete in and around Philadelphia in the late 1960s and early 70s. So we've decided to have her back to hear more from her. She is a roller derby Hall of Famer known to many back in the day as Pretty Judy, the great Philadelphia Warrior and Eastern Warriors skater, Judy Arnold. And as you alluded, there will be a second guest, but that is not firmed up as yet, so I'm not going to make any announcement about that one as yet. But I'm definitely excited about having Judy Arnold back on Philly Press Box Radio. She's still got a lot of fans, not just in the Philly area, but around the country. So looking forward to it. Yep, I, I am too, and uh, like I say, I won't be on, but I'll be listening. Uh, Judy was great the last time. She's going to be great this time, and I'll tell you what, if we firm up this second uh, guest, it's going to be a blockbuster, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. It'll be fun. Looking forward to it. We'll we'll keep the listeners informed about that one. All right, Mr. Chesko, parting shot today, sir. Yes, sir, Bill. With the NBA and NHL seasons wrapping up earlier this week, I decided to write a piece for our website wondering when one of the major four Philly pro teams might be good enough to contend for a championship again and which team would be most likely to do so. Now let's face it, the Phillies have no obvious stars on the big club currently and the many top prospects are still just that, prospects. So scratch them from the list. But there's at least a possibility that one of the three other teams could contend by 2019. The Eagles now have some real weapons for Carson Wentz. The Sixers have a slew of ifs. I know. You know. If Ben Simmons is a legitimate player, if they make the right decision in next week's draft, and the big one, if Joel Embiid stays healthy. But you know what? I'm optimistic, really. And the Flyers, well, they have lots of young talent, and despite the fact that they missed the playoffs this past season, they do have that talent. They have a lot of guys who are coming up and who should be pretty darn good. They have the number two pick in their draft, and they're going to get a very quality player right away. And maybe, just maybe, they'll get lucky with one of their three young goaltending prospects. A great goalie is key for every NHL team. Not one of the big four Philly pro teams has advanced in the postseason since the 2012 Sixers, incredibly, and it is time for that to change, and relatively soon. Well, Chet, one thing that I can tell you, it's not going to be the Phillies because they are now losing 5 to nothing in the second inning. It's <laughs> going to be another 10-run rule game. They're on a pace to go 54-108 and 108 right now, by the way. 54 wins, 108 losses. Wow. Well, hey, Chet, uh, I don't know if you have this information. I'm catching you a little bit off guard, but we do have about 30 extra seconds. Do you know the dates of the Tommy and Me play that's going to uh, come back out this summer with Ray Dittinger yes. and Tommy McDonald? Yep. I wrote about that on our website also, so check that on phillypressboxradio.com. It'll be back for 16 shows this summer, up from 12 last year. Tommy and Me, great, great, great show. Go see it. It's August 3rd through the 20th, and it's at Fringe Arts, which is uh, right on Columbus Boulevard in Philly. It's presented through theaterexile.org, so check theaterexile.org website and click on the Tommy and Me poster and buy yourself some tickets, and hopefully I'll see you there. Well, and, you know, I, I was saying I kind of got uh, in trouble with Ray a little bit. Or not in trouble, but he wanted to be sure that I was – going to try to make it this summer and believe it or not Chet, mm -hmm. day one of the show that august 3rd run is actually supposed to be the day i return to work from my vacation <laughs> so i may have to figure out how to extend one more day if i can get in that opening show well you work on it and by the way one other thing to you bill happy 35th anniversary to you and mary Furman. she must be a saint <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> and uh and, yeah, I'll just leave that there because <laughs> I'll <laughs> say something idea. and she might be listening. 
So exactly. with that said, we've reached the top of the hour. We'd like to thank our special guests, D. Lynham and Corey Sharp, Irish Rover Station House, Lou the Road, Taylor and Heather, and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com for their continuing support of the show. For Jim Chetchesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, June 21st at 7 p.m. When roller derby legend Judy Arnold joins us, you can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet at www.blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now Mixcloud. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.